Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of FG Students Podcast as we continue our series on heaven and earth. This week, we look into the final chapters of the series and see how Jesus will make all new things and all things new in the new heaven and new earth as seen in the book of Revelation and what our role is as we wait for that time. Thanks so much for listening and hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get it. Guys, welcome everyone. So glad you're here. Welcome to Fellowship Greenville students. Hey, Jenny Ann. Hey, hey, it was good. Hey, Alex. Hey, Denisha. It was good. It was good. Uh, guys, it's, it's so good to be with you here tonight. It's rich to be with you here tonight. Uh, I look forward to this every week. If it's your first time or first time in a while, I just want to remind you, let you know we love you. We believe God loves you. We believe you have a place to belong. Uh, right here in the family of God and in, in our student ministry, and we want you to know that. Over the past uh, few weeks, we have been going through a series called Heaven and Earth Collide. We've been looking at uh, this series and kind of doing a deep dive uh, into the theology around heaven and earth, the realms of heaven and earth, so on and so forth. It's been really fun. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed it. Hopefully you've gotten something out of it. Hopefully you've walked away being like, dude, I think I'm learning. This is pretty cool. That's my goal, at least. Um, but maybe not. I don't know. Uh, so listen, tonight is like uh, the last, well, not really, but it's the last one in the series because next week we don't meet. Uh, and, November, <laughs> and November 7th, we're doing something a little bit differently. We'll be in Auditorium 2, but uh, I want to go ahead and put this on your radar. November 7th, we're going to be doing a live Q&A with none other than Jim Thompson, one of our pastors here on staff. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you guys... Is that for me? Dude, thank you so much. Guys, give it up for Scott. Thanks, man. No, you're good. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but Jim Thompson uh, literally, literally wrote the book on the kingdom of God. He has a book about it. And so I was like, dude, who better than to bring in than Jimmy T? And so I would imagine that some of you guys have questions uh, stemming from some of the things we've talked about. Um, around the, the concepts of earth or heaven or hell or whatever. On November 7th, that is the night. If, if there's anything lingering, if you've been in this series, which we've been in for like seven weeks now, if you've been in and you're like, dude, I, I still don't feel like this question has been addressed or answered or whatever, that night is your night. So come, we're gonna have a phone number you can text that night. We're gonna have live Q&A, so you can text that phone number. Any question you have, a moderator will, will kind of be watching the questions, pitch them to Jimmy T, and we're gonna have a great conversation. And that will be like the final night, truly the final night in this series. Tonight's the final teaching night. So be thinking of questions. I'm really excited about that. I think Jim's gonna be an amazing resource for us to answer some of those questions. Um, listen, have you guys, anyone in the room, does anyone enjoy cooking? Anyone enjoy like... Baking, specifically baking, maybe? Yes? Okay. I, I've got a sweet tooth. I have a, um, I have a desire to eat a lot of desserts. I don't know if you know that about me. And, and my favorite things are like uh, fruit, uh, like cobbler's pies, things like that. I love those, all right? But my boys, I don't know, I don't know if you guys know I have, I have kids. I don't know if you know this. I, it's crazy. It's crazy. I have three. I have three kids. Yes. I have three kids. I know. It's wild. Two boys and a little girl, a little peapod girl, and she's so precious. Um, my kids love brownies, all right? Any brownie lovers in the room, cookie lovers, they love, they're way more into like the chocolate and the, the rich, sweet stuff. Uh, so here's the deal, man. You guys know how it goes. Every now and then we'll make brownies in the kitchen. 
and we're, you know, they want to help. And so we're, we're, we're trying to bake and we've got like a bowl of all the ingredients and they want to mix it together. And, and then we, you know, crack some eggs in there and do whatever else. And they're mixing that together. And, um, and so then we pour this chocolate, this rich chocolate batter into the pan, right? And then we get one of those like weird silicone rubber things and like spread it out, right? Like, and then slide it around the bowl and like dump it in there, like get every ounce of this goodness into the bowl. Anyone there? Is this only us? Okay. You don't waste this stuff, man. And so inevitably, once we do that, what you are left with is this kind of weird spatula thing that is covered in chocolate goop that just won't get off, right? Like you can, you know, whip it a few times. You can use your finger a little bit, whatever, but there's still goop on it. What do you do with the goop? Absolutely. Absolutely. You stare, you stare salmonella in the face and you say, I don't care that there's raw eggs on this. I'm going to eat this goop, right? And so my boys, my boys, because I have kids, my boys have adopted this habit, this, this behavior of like, oh, we're making something before it's even done being made, before it's out of the oven, we can experience what it will taste like, right? Like they're having a, a foretaste of the final product. And the way that Jesus teaches in the Gospels, in the New Testament, the way that Jesus teaches, he paints that exact picture about the kingdom of God or, or the, the typical way that we think about heaven. Jesus paints this picture that you can actually taste it here and now. You can actually experience it here and now. In this very life, you can taste it. You can experience the reality of a futuristic eternity with God in this life in Greenville, South Carolina as a high school student right here and right now. You can lick the spoon of the kingdom, so to speak. I know that's a weird metaphor, but bear with me here, right? Like, it's not the final product yet. It's still got to bake in the oven a little bit. But, but some stuff has been mixed together. Some stuff has been put together. And we can actually taste it here and now. Or, or let me put it this way. Let me give you another story. Uh, my wife, whom I love so much. I have a wife too. I don't know. I know I talk, I, I know, I know I talk about my kids a lot. I have a wife as well. I know. It's wild. It's wild. I'm a wild man. Uh, this month, this month, what is today? What's the date today? 24th? Okay. In three days, it will be my nine-year anniversary. Yes. 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 And, uh, and I love this woman so much. I love her so dearly. Um, about six years ago, about six years ago, we had our firstborn, because um, I have kids. And I do. And, um, and I, remember, uh, I remember my wife and I, all three of our kids, we got pregnant by accident. Like, I'm just going to be straight up with you. Like, it, it's been a wild journey. It's been a wild journey for us. So I remember when she first told me that we were pregnant with our first. And, you know, my head was like, how? <laughs> like, logistically, we took precautions. <laughs> like, how? And, um, and then it happened two other times. So it's like, I don't know what's going on. So, but I remember these emotions of like, confusion and despair. <laughs> like how? Not just how you got pregnant, but how am I going to be a dad? 
and what does that even look like? And our relationship is about to evolve and change. And I mean, just so many thoughts all at once and in those emotions. And I was like crying and laughing. And then she like changed her mind. She's like, well, but I don't know, maybe I'm not pregnant. And I was like, what? And she's like, hey, but I am. I'm like, I don't, what? I don't understand. And so it was just a very like emotional time. And then over the next nine months, one of the most amazing miracles took place right under my nose. And my wife began to grow our child in, in her womb. And that is like, uh, that's different, man. That's like next level alien type stuff, dude. A, a human body is growing inside of a human body. Like it's just amazing and disgusting. And it was just great to be a part of it. And I remember, I remember when my wife gave birth to my first. It was such a new experience for me. You know, I'm in the hospital and my wife's in labor and she, it's, it was like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, man. Like she switched, she changed. Uh, like something overtook her, this, this evil force overtook her and she was very violent with me. And this entire time that she was in labor, I was terrified for my own safety. And I'm trying to love her and, and you know, serve her well and she's in so much pain and you know, we're adjusting all these things. And, and I remember like when it was, Time. Like, it is time to start pushing. And dude, I, like everything in me is like, <laughs> like, I don't know what to do. And it's terrifying. And, um, and so, you know, you, you, you get in a position and like you're, you're there with the doctor and the doctor's like, the doctor's coaching you up. And I'm telling the dog, like, dude, I, 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 I don't want to see, I don't, I, like, just let me look up. Like, if you just let me look, I put my hands here and you let me look up and you just coach me through. And so the doctor's telling my wife, like, it's time, push, push, push. And my wife's doing a great job. And I'm, he, whoo, like, I'm breathing with her, right? Like, I'm, and I'm, but my eyes are up this whole time. I'm feeling a little woozy. And I told, I said, look, I, I want to hold my son when he comes, but just in the in-between, I, I just don't want to see all that much. And I remember there was a moment in the night, there was a moment when the doctor paused everything. And I'm literally like this. And the doctor said, Matt, Matt, he's here. Your little boy's here. He's so beautiful. Look. <laughs> and I, th I gave specific instructions. I don't want to see anything in the halfway. I, I want to see the full product, right? And and I, I remember, I looked down, and I saw like this gremlin, <laughs> like the angriest gremlin mixed with an alien face, and it did a full 180, like <laughs> like looked up at me as if it knew and dude I like oh and so and the doctor was like gotcha like like intentionally intentionally and so then I'm feeling real woozy and I'm I'm like oh orange juice like I'm about to black out and and this whole thing and then the and then my little boy came out and they didn't tell me this no one prepared me for this but the doctor has him for real this time it's like it's beautiful he's here gives him to me and then literally puts a pair of scissors in my hand and is like, cut the cord. And I'm like, oh, but I don't want to. And she's like, cut the cord. And, I'm like, <laughs> and it wouldn't cut. And I'm trying and trying and trying. And it, those things are very tough. And so eventually I just had to do, I had to take care of business. It was a traumatic experience all around. No, that's a joke. Get real. Just a little. And...
And I remember after all of this finished, I remember this <laughs> beautiful, slimy little boy, <laughs> Tommy. And I remember holding him for the first time and he doesn't recognize me as dad yet. He doesn't have a clue who I am. But the infinite love I have, the unconditional love I have for this little boy, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. And I took him over to his mom and I set him on her chest gently. And I just leaned over my wife and I just started weeping. And she started weeping. And we're holding our beautiful son and sharing this moment together. Wow. Now leading up, leading up into that moment, I had no idea what it was like to be a father. I had no idea what that process was like for sure. But this amazing thing happens as, as uh, uh, the baby is developing in the womb. And maybe some of you have experienced this if you're like a, and you know, if, 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 <laughs> if your aunt or uncle or whatever, if you've experienced it and, and someone in your family has been pregnant. Uh, I remember there was a time in the development of the baby where my wife's stomach started to move. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like pregnant women reach this point where all of a sudden it's like you can see an elbow like, whoosh, like go across the belly. I remember this. And it freaked me out. I'm not going to lie. And my wife's like, put your hand here. And I'm like, okay. And I would put my hand there. And dude, it's like, it's like the child is inside, like doing this number, right? It's like, oh, oh my gosh. But the sweetness, the sweetness of that moment in the hospital room that, that the Lord has given me three, three of those now. The sweetness of that and the beauty of that was all experienced beforehand as a taste. Like this brief little foreshadowing of what's to come by placing my hand on my wife's belly and feeling something move inside of there. That was a taste of the beautiful and wonderful experience it has been to be a dad. The experience of holding that baby. All of that was experienced in a brief moment as I felt it move in my wife's stomach. And as weird as a metaphor as this is, this is actually the language the Bible uses to describe what's going on. Romans chapter 8, Paul is talking about one day the new kingdom, the new heaven will come. But for now, it's as if the earth is like a woman in labor and, and there, there are pains happening as we're, as we're awaiting the birth of the new. But I say all of this just to say what Jesus teaches us is that one day a new heaven and a new earth is coming. But one of the mistakes that I've seen many Christians make is they get it into their minds that it's impossible to experience that. It's impossible to have that reality. It's impossible to taste that or to even know what that's like until we actually die and go to heaven. And quick sidebar, that phrase, go to heaven, is not found in the Bible one single time. I'm not, I'm not saying we don't go to be with Jesus, but, but the, the Americanized idea of like dying is that we leave this, this place and go to another. And I've said it every single week that we've been teaching through this series, if our idea of heaven and earth is that somehow the point of this life is to live 60, 70, 80, 90 years, and when we die, we go somewhere. If that's all we're living for, we're missing out on the narrative of scriptures. The phrase, go to heaven, when we die, is not found once in the entire Bible. Different language is used. 
primarily being with Jesus or being with the Lord. That's what's typically used, to be with the presence of Jesus. But we're also in, in the presence of Jesus here and now. And this is my whole point, is we're experiencing the kingdom of God here and now. And so the question becomes, how are we? Because it doesn't seem like we are. The world's pretty jacked up. There's a ton of problems. So how can we be experiencing kingdom here and now? And so I want us to go tonight to Mark chapter 1. This is actually where we began this series many, many moons ago, if you remember. Mark chapter 1. I think it was like seven, eight weeks ago now. Mark chapter 1, we're just going to look at one verse and then from this kind of go to some different places tonight. Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus is teaching. And Jesus says this, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The word gospel in the Greek language that it's written in literally means the good news. So Jesus literally is saying here, repent and believe in the good news. All right, so let's break this verse down. Let's, let's point a few things out. Jesus is saying, the time is fulfilled. Well, for him to say that, he's got to be referring to something. What time is being fulfilled? Is it like the time of the day? Like, hey, it's 12 o'clock, the time is fulfilled. Or is he talking more so the time throughout the history uh, of the scriptures, that, that some event has been waited upon all this time, and Jesus is saying that time is now fulfilled. It's an event. It's not a specific time. It's the culmination of an event. And then he goes on to say the kingdom of God is at hand. This is what we're talking about. Jesus proclaimed this message. The, the gospel of Matthew, uh, Jesus refers to as the kingdom of heaven. Either way, he, he loves this phrase, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, I stand in front of you with the kingdom of God, and it is so close you could reach out with your own hand and touch it. That's how close the kingdom of God is. And Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is at hand. It is a reality for you. This is not something that just applied 2,000 years ago when he taught this. It applies today in 2021 in Greenville, South Carolina. What does the kingdom of God being so close that you could reach out and touch it, that you could experience it, that you could taste it, that you could lick the spoon, so to speak, of the kingdom? How is that possible? How is that even a reality? What does that even mean? How might that change the way you view the scriptures? How would it change the way you view church? How would it change the way you view your purpose in life? How would it change the way you view what God is up to in this world? If we begin to see the reality that the kingdom can be tasted, it is at hand, Jesus says. And then he goes on to say, repent and believe in the good news. Well, in order for there to be good news, there has to be something comparatively bad. Like you can't have good without saying there is also something bad. And the bad news is what we've talked about for many weeks, quick recap, that the world is broken. That in the spiritual realm, a rebellion happened and humanity has joined it. Now, over the past few weeks, I've had the fancy TV board and I've shown you guys the skills of my calligraphy and penmanship of which you guys have sung my praises. You guys have told me you have the best handwriting we've ever seen. Many of you, many of you have asked me to handwrite your college applications, and I'm glad to do that because obviously they'd let you in. I don't have the fancy board tonight, um, but I, I do have uh, this. Okay, so I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a visual learner. So here's the bad news. Here's, here's everything Jesus is talking about in this one verse, all right? Jesus says, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the good news. Here's everything we've talked about up until this point in this series. If you've missed it, 
we have podcasts or our YouTube channel or whatever, go catch up. It's so important. In the beginning, this is a recap, all right? In the beginning, if you read the first couple pages of the book of Genesis, what you will see is that there is a God who exists. And this God is love and light. And this God has no evil in him. And if you are a being and you are perfect and you are all loving, the most loving thing you can do as that being is to share yourself. And so God begins a process of creating. And he creates everything out of nothing. And in this everything, there are two realms that exist. One is the heavenly realm or the spiritual realm. And this is where God lives. This is God's space. And in this realm, we have angels and we have celestial beings and we have God. And even in the angelic order, there's like differences and there's messenger angels and warrior angels. And there seems to be like angels that sit around the throne and and sing praises all day long. And there just seems to be all these different things happening in heaven. And if you read the book of Revelation and you get these glimpses into heaven, it's like, dude, whoa, there's so much going on. And so you have that realm. And then you also have the earthly realm where we live, where we abide, where we operate day to day. And in the earthly realm, there's men and women and our planet and all creation. And in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, we read that God overlapped these two realms, that the realms were created in an overlap. It was literally heaven on earth. And in the beginning, the original plan, the original design of God was for men and women to have a harmonious and perfect relationship with God, with the absence of evil and never experience death. That was the plan. And in that paradise, in that uh, overlap of the realms where our space and the space of God is existing together, that was designed to be our forever home. The command to Adam and Eve is be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. This is paradise. My presence permeates everywhere. If you remember, the garden was God's original temple. His place that he lived was with men and women not distant and absent from us, but with us. And that was the plan, that men and women would have a perfect relationship with God in his presence as his friends forever without the, without the presence of sin and death and evil in this life. And then we studied that there was at least one, but probably numerous rebellions going on in the spiritual realm. And certain angels rallied against their creator and decided to rebel against him. And they could not overpower God. And they were removed from the heavenly realm. And one of those angels took on the form of a serpent and came along and deceived men and women. And they joined the rebellion against God by trying to define good and evil for themselves. When they approached the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they ate It was this stance of, God, we do not trust you to define good and evil. We want to define good and evil. We want to be autonomous. We want to be individual. We want to be in control. And so they ate the fruit that they were asked not to eat. Metaphorically, they tried to define good and evil instead of trusting God. And those two realms, which were in perfect harmony and overlapping, heaven on earth became heaven and earth. And now we enter from Genesis chapter 3 and all the way through the book of Malachi in the Old Testament, this is the picture of the Bible. 
that there are these two realms, and the realm of God and the realm of men and women, and God is continuously pursuing us and continuously chasing us. Literally, heaven is chasing us, and sometimes the realms would come very, very close and sometimes even touch and kiss just for a, a brief moment, and all throughout the Old Testament, you have God revealing himself to us and creating systems for us to experience his presence, the tabernacle and the temple and the sacrificial system and the law given to Moses and the prophets and the Psalms and the wisdom writing and all of these beautiful and wonderful things all through the Old Testament, but these realms were permanently broken because of the rebellion and because of sin. And then all of a sudden, all throughout the Old Testament, you have all these prophecies saying, one day one will come who will make all this right again. And Jesus comes in the New Testament, and the first proclamation of His public ministry is, the kingdom of God is at hand. And what Jesus is saying is that literally… The realm of God, the space, the domain, the area that He rules and reigns forevermore is finally here. It's not just so close that it almost is touching, but it's overlapping again. And Jesus has brought in the kingdom of heaven into an overlap with the realm of the space of men and women. And this is the picture. Like if you're taking notes, this is Genesis 1 and 2, this is Genesis 3 through Malachi, this is the New Testament, okay? Jesus has brought in an overlap. The kingdom of God is at hand. That is what he is talking about. The time is fulfilled. What time? Where the kingdom is at hand. It's overlapped. It's not just touching. I'm here to finally bring it once again. I'm in the process of healing this broken world. And one day, and this is the picture we get in the book of Revelation, one day it will look like this again. This is Revelation. This is future where we will be in perfect harmony with God and our relationship with God will be perfect again with the absence of evil and pain and sin and death and we will live with Him forever. It's exactly how He created it to be in the garden. It's exactly what He's repairing everything to be one day. In the meantime, we are here. And we live in this weird overlap, like the dead center. We live in this weird overlap where the realms are together, but not fully together yet. This is called the already but not yet kingdom. It is already here, but not fully yet here. And that is why we experience things like, man, the power of the Spirit has helped me overcome sin. I, I experience life. I'm experiencing the presence of God. I have permanent and unimpeded access to God's presence on a daily basis, an hourly basis, a secondly basis. I'm experiencing uh, rejuvenation and renewal. God is growing me. I'm, I feel like I'm experiencing kingdom. That's why we can say that. And then simultaneously we can say, and, man, I am struggling in the midst of my sin and this world is messed up and so many people are hurting and suffering and broken and evil is everywhere. How can those two things exist side by side? It's because we are in the overlap. And the realm of sin and evil and death is not yet fully gone. But the realm of life and joy and peace is introduced. And we're experiencing both realities simultaneously. That is what Jesus is talking about in this one verse. That's what we've been talking about for seven weeks. And so tonight, what I would love to do on our final like teaching night of this series is to look at this kind of future tense idea. And so what I'd love to do is read with you a passage out of the book of Revelation. In fact, I'd love to read an entire chapter if you would do that with me. This is a futuristic writing. It's prophetic writing. It has not happened yet. 
a guy named John is given a vision of what everything will be like one day. And John is writing about our future, the new heaven and new earth in the book of Revelation. And I'd like to read chapter 21 with you, the entire chapter. So bear with me. All right. You guys ready? Okay. Thank you for that honesty. No, hold on. All right. You guys ready now? Okay. Thanks, Eden. All right. Here we go. Chapter, okay, I'll wait. Chapter 21. This is chapter 21, Revelation. Okay, here we go. This is John, same John who, uh, the Gospel of John, same John, same guy. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. He's talking about these. I saw new realms. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Some of you guys are like, oh, I love the ocean. I love the beach. He's not, he, he's not talking about that sea, all right? Go all the way back to the first week uh, that we talked in this series. The sea is like the Hebraic way of viewing the waters that surrounded creation, all right? The sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven of God, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. That is one of the most beautiful verses in the entire Bible. And it's not the first time we've been introduced to it. Go all the way back to the garden. God made earth the temple in which he dwelled with men and women forever. The image that we get in the garden is what God is making here in the end again. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more and neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. What former things is John talking about? This, this age of sin and pain and death and evil, all of this is gone. Death is already defeated. It's just on a timer right now. You understand that? Like Satan's already a defeated foe. It's just like a little sand, a sand timer. The time's running out and he knows it. And John is seeing this vision of like, God will wipe away every tear. There will be no mourning, no sadness. Like he is seeing peace. He is seeing joy. The presence of evil and pain and death is not a reality in heaven. It was not a reality in the garden until we joined the rebellion. It will not be a reality in heaven when God makes all new things. It's so beautiful. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. This is one of the passages where we extract the idea of what we call hell. 
Again, if you have questions about that, let's explore it. November 7th, let's talk about it. Write them down, ask them that night. We'd love to explore it. Verse 9, then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and the gates 12 angels and on the gates the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. And on the east three gates, on the north three gates and on the south three gates and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So John is getting this vision. And remember, this is it's prophetic and it's also, um, if it's, it's literal figurative. Like he's seeing real things and his mind is trying to find words to describe them in ways that are comprehensible, right? And so some of this is literal. Some of it may be figurative or artistic rendering or whatever. But John is describing what he sees as a new city. In the beginning, God created a garden. In the end, it will be a city. It's the same idea though, permanent presence of God in a perfect and harmonious friendship with him. Verse 15, and the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square. Its length is the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod. So John is describing this city of heaven that he sees. The city of God is is a cube. It's a square. And the city measured 12,000 stadia. All right, now that's a measurement we're not familiar with. I don't know if you guys measure in stadia when you do projects, probably not, no? 12,000 stadia is about 1,400 miles. So John is describing, I'm seeing a city and it's so beautiful. It's like a clear crystal, it's like Jasper. It's got 12 foundations, it's a cube and each side has three gates. And it's, it's perfect in its length and height and width, and it's all the same. It's 1,400 miles uh, high. It's 1,400 miles wide. It's 1,400 miles uh, deep, high. Sorry, long, wide, and height. Sorry, guys, it's been a while. Um, and so John is describing kind of this cubic city. If you measured 1,400 miles from here, you would wind up about dead center Wyoming. The city that John is describing is as wide as from South Carolina to the middle of Wyoming. It's as high as about Mexico to Canada. And it's as tall as that as well, 1,400 miles. John is describing this city of unbelievable magnitude, the city of God within the new heaven where we will live with God. The wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a gate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this, but carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth uh, chrysophrase, the eleventh jacinth, maybe, jacinth, the twelfth amethyst, and the twelve gates were 12 pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Again, it's artistic, literal. In other words, John may be describing the gates were made of pearl, or he may be saying, it is so unbelievably beautiful, I've never seen anything like it. The closest thing I could even say is like, it it looks like what we know as a pearl. 
The point is, it is the most unbelievably beautiful city he's ever seen, and he's trying to describe with the most precious uh, minerals and, and jewels that he can think of what it looks like. And then he says this, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is its Lamb. So in the new heavens, the light of God permeates this 1,400 mile by 1,400 mile by 1,400 mile. The light of God illuminates this city. In its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. Um, This phrase, its gates will never be shut, is this artistic way of saying there is permanent peace. There will never be violence. There will never be war. There will never be uh, any need to, to kind of bunker down. There will never be a need to close the gates. We will never have enemies coming at us. We will never have evil. We will never have something that we need to protect ourselves from. It will be daylight or it will be God's light permanently in the full safety and beauty of this city. And people from all nations will walk there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. All right, I know that was long. Thanks for bearing with me. If you'd like to read more, keep reading, because John keeps using language of things he's seeing, and it's so unbelievably beautiful. But John is describing a futuristic event where the heavens and the earth are overlapping again. And we're not in a garden with God this time, we're in a city. And we are in a perfect harmonious relationship with God with the absence of evil and the absence of darkness and the absence of sin. And we will live with him forever and ever, amen. And his light will permeate the city and there won't be a temple because his presence will not be isolated to one place only. His presence will be every nook and cranny of this city. The future that John is describing is the past. It's the image of the garden where God's presence permeated everything and everywhere and he had a relationship with his people. We joined the rebellion. We severed the realms. Jesus has begun the reparation and one day it'll be fully repaired. That is the overall story of the Bible. We've been studying now for seven weeks. Is this not such a beautiful picture of what is to come? Is this not such a desirable picture of what's to come? Think about the language that's used. There will be no mourning. Not like mourning, but like mourning, M-O-U. He will wipe the tears from every eyes. There will be nothing to cry about. You will not have to grieve the loss of anyone else. You will not have to be burdened by the presence of evil. You will never look at the world and think this place is so jacked up and so broken. You will not experience the sting of death. You will not experience the pain of evil. You will not feel the anger welling up in you about the brokenness of the world around you. This is a place of joy and light and safety and peace and comfort and healing. And the presence of God permeates every square inch of this place. Do you not want that reality like here and now? Like, isn't there a part of you that's like, dude, I want that, 
but I don't want to wait until I die to get that. Anyone or is that just me? Okay, it's just me. Okay. <laughs> okay, thanks. Thanks. What Jesus says in Mark, the time has come. What Jesus is saying is that all of the realities of the kingdom of heaven, everything we just read is so close you could reach out and touch it. It is at hand. And so we're kind of left with almost like a, but Jesus, it's not. Like, it's almost like this frustrating, how is it at hand if everything we just read seems so far away from the reality of where we currently are? So either Jesus was lying or mistaken and the realities of the kingdom are not at hand, or the fault lies on us. Could it be possible that for those of you who believe in Jesus and trust Jesus, could it be possible that what is very, very clear to you is all the problems of the world, the brokenness of the world, this realm of pain and evil and death, like you see this crystal clear, look around, everything's falling apart, man. Like this is clear. But could it be that somehow you're missing the realities of the kingdom? Because either Jesus was mistaken, either he was wrong, or we're somehow missing this reality. Because the teaching of Jesus is not wait until you die. Woo! One day you're going to be in the greatest place you could ever imagine. No, I didn't bring it with me. (laughs) No, I left it there. I just came to, you know, teach some good stuff and tell you guys to love each other. No, the teaching of Jesus is, I have come to bring the kingdom of God. It is so close you could reach out and touch it. In fact, a passage that we looked at last week, and I want to look at again this week, Matthew chapter 6, specifically two verses, verses 10 and 11. Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, and he says this, when you pray, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus teaches us to pray in this way. Pray with this mentality. God, we are asking that your kingdom would continue to invade the earth, that it would advance into the earth. We are asking that the reality of your kingdom, the reality of your, uh, the the heavenly glory that we read about in in the book of Revelation would be a reality in our earth here and now. We are praying that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven in this weird overlap and we are asking that we would experience it. And the next verse says, give us this day our daily bread. We talked about this last week. That verse could mean as we go day to day, teach us how to depend on you. Give us what we need for today. That's how most of us have probably come to understand this. But in your Bibles, you might see like a little number next to that, right? Or a letter maybe. Like there's some footnote indicating, hey, something here. Anyone see that in your Bibles? So what this verse also could be translated as is give us a taste of tomorrow. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Please continue to advance your kingdom. Help us experience the reality of your kingdom here on earth and give us a taste of tomorrow. That's how that verse could also be translated. Not, give us this day our daily bread. It could be translated, give us a taste of tomorrow. In other words, we would be asking, God, would you give us a taste 
of this? Would you give us a taste of your permanent presence? Would you give us a taste of the reality of the kingdom of heaven? Would you let us taste it? Would you let us lick the spoon of your kingdom? Would you let us put our hands on the womb of the kingdom and feel it kicking? Would you give us a taste of what's to come? As your will is done on earth as it is in heaven, as we're living in this weird overlap, would you give us a taste of this so that we can further advance your kingdom here on this earth? Because sometimes, God, it just does, we don't feel it. It's so confusing. It's, it feels like everything is falling apart. So would you remind us of our future inheritance? Give us a taste. Give us this day what we need to keep praying this bold prayer that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. This is what Jesus taught. Jesus never taught in a way that was like, hey, I'm here, but what I have for you is not here. Jesus taught in a way that's like, it is so close you could reach out and touch it. So either Jesus was somehow mistaken or we have completely missed for most of our lives the reality of the kingdom of God that is available to us. And if we have missed it, then the question becomes, why do we miss it? What is it about the way we've defined American Christianity that makes us miss the realities of the kingdom? Is it our heightened desire of consumeristic faith that is all about me, 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 me? Is it our conditional faith that Jesus has to operate in a certain way or do certain things or answer certain prayers for me to actually believe in him? Is it the fact that we feel like we always have to be entertained with something bigger and better to actually feel it? Or oftentimes lack just the daily discipline required to walk with Jesus through the more mundane seasons of life? Whatever the case may be, I think most of us are missing the reality of the kingdom that is at hand. The reality of the already but not yet, this futuristic thing that we just read that is accessible to us here and now. And here's the beautiful thing. It's not just accessible to us. It's accessible to everyone. This is the beauty. We talked last week about Jesus is not the only uh, source of hope. It's not just that we're like, hey man, uh, I got... I, I can't tell you a thing, and honestly, you shouldn't talk to me. Um, maybe Jesus could come again. I don't know. No, like the way Jesus structured it is that the presence of Jesus in his people is how other people get to know God today. You are living temples for God. You're the place where people meet the presence of God and point them to Jesus. So when we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, if we were just to look at Revelation 21 and extract some things out of it, here's what that would look like. When God's people, you, offer comfort to those who are hurting or broken, when you sit down with them and you comfort them, when you show empathy or compassion, you are revealing the kingdom of God. Because in the kingdom, there is no sadness, there's no mourning. We are comforted by the presence of God. When God's people offer comfort, we are fulfilling this prayer. God's kingdom is being revealed through us. When we create beauty, when we contribute to the good of this world, when we create, whether it's through art or through dance or through music or through sports or through fun or whatever, when we create, we are giving glimpses into the kingdom of God because God's imprinted us with, with his image and God is a creator. And when we, we express that in various ways, God is creating a city. When we create, when we point people to the beauty that we are making, we are bringing about realities of the kingdom of God. 
So if you're in here and you're a creator, <coughs> use it, man. That is an amazing gift. When we sit down and simply give someone our presence, we are bringing about the realities of the kingdom of God. Because the presence of God permeates his city with his people. When we sit down with people and simply give them our presence, we are fulfilling the kingdom of God in their lives. When we love people that are difficult to love or hard to love, when we express love and show love and speak love, we are bringing about the reality of the kingdom of God. When we create lives and communities of diversity, we are bringing about the kingdom of God. When we celebrate people who are different than us and we celebrate different cultures and we celebrate uh, people who come from different parts of the world and we show compassion and, and we leave behind arrogance and ethnocentric ways of thinking and that America's the best and everyone else is second. Like when we do away with all that, we are bringing about the kingdom of God. When we rebuke racism and when we rebuke hatred and when we celebrate that people look different and have different cultures, we are bringing about the kingdom of God. Because the one chapter we just read talks about people from every nation are in this kingdom. When we shed light in dark places, when we speak truth to lies, when we give hope when there is none, we are bringing about the kingdom of God. When we create safety for people, when we protect people, if people are getting bullied and we defend them, if people need help and we aid them, we are bringing about the kingdom of God because the gates never shut. It is a safe place. That is a reality of the kingdom that can manifest through our presence in this world. When we show people hospitality and warmth and acceptance, when we have them into our lives, when we invite them to our houses and break bread with them and share meals with them, we are bringing about the kingdom of God. And it goes on and on and on and on. Sometimes we pray this prayer and we're like, your kingdom come, your will be done. What does it look like to even manifest the kingdom of God? What it looks like is us getting out into the world and demonstrating the love of Christ, the presence of Christ, and the light of Christ to this world. If all your faith is, is a security deposit that one day when you die, you do not want to go to hell, people will not experience the kingdom of God through your presence in this earth. God is actively at work in this planet, on this earth, ushering the kingdom forward. And part of what Jesus invites us into is to pray this audacious and bold prayer that God, would your kingdom come, the realities of your heaven, what we read in, John, in, in Revelation 21, the realities of that would be here and now. It's the already but not yet kingdom. Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. Would you help us manifest kingdom realities right here, right now in 2021 so that people can experience the full presence of God and his kingdom and hope in this world here and now? This life is not just about dying and going to heaven one day. It is about bringing the realities of heaven to this world that is dying right now and partnering with what Jesus is doing as he makes all things new and all new things. That is how we fulfill this prayer. And so here's what I'd love to do as we close out this series. I would love, us, I would love to invite us into a time of prayer. I want to encourage you to divide up into groups of like three, four, five, doesn't matter to me, your whole row, I could care less, but divide up into groups and let's pray. I'm gonna guide you in a second, but we're gonna pray this prayer together, but specifically think about these words through the lens of understanding now the realities of the kingdom and how that could look in our lives. So go ahead and divide up. You might have to turn, you might have to switch your chair around. I don't, I don't really care how you move. 
Go ahead and divide up. Scooch over. If you're in the room, you're like, dude, I just don't, I don't even know anyone, man. Jump in, dude. Jump in. Let's be welcoming. I think breaking through, breaking through social cliques is one great step into, into becoming a more kingdom community. Divide up, divide up quickly, quickly. All right, so here's what I would love for you guys to pray. I'm just gonna guide the thought, you guide the words. But when we say your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are asking, you guys realize, I mean, we've said this so many times, but sometimes repetition helps. You guys realize what we are saying is God, with the future reality of being with you forever in perfect harmony and perfect union without evil and pain and death, would that future reality be manifest here and now? Would the kingdom be done here on earth as it is in heaven? Give us this day our daily bread or give us today a taste of tomorrow so that we understand that the kingdom can be experienced and we become a part of bringing it forward until Jesus finally heals this world. So what I would love for you to pray is simply something along the lines of, God, would you show me what it looks like to partner with you as you are bringing your kingdom forward. I gave you a little list of stuff, comfort, beauty, peace, love, diversity, light. But I think that God has some very specific things for you. The Christian faith is not a passive one. There are literally things that Jesus has in store for you. And if you would simply ask him to reveal them, I think he would. Jesus, how can I partner with what you're already doing in this world to bring the kingdom of God? That's the prayer. How can I partner with you with what you're already doing to bring about the kingdom of God? Would you show me? Show me how I can partner with you. Show me what I can do in Greenville. Show me what I can do on my street. Show me what I can do to my neighbors to bring the kingdom of God. Give them a taste of tomorrow. That's the prayer. I'm going to let you guys pray for a few minutes, and then in a second we'll close. Go ahead and pray, guys. Thank you.